Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on KHSIPress.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. We have finally got some fights this weekend to talk about. Fights, Dogs, and Parlays is back for UFC Vegas 46. That fight is right now. Calvin Cater versus Giga Chikaze in the main event. We're super excited for it. We'll be breaking down that as well as two other of our favorite fights on that main card. Plus an underdog we think you should play and a parlay that we think will be particularly profitable. In addition to that, I'm giving you guys interviews once again this week. I'm talking to both Cody Stamen and Jasmine Jezudavicius, who both fight on UFC 270 next weekend. But before we get to any of that great content, i got to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. It's like the YouTube for sports betting. Head on over to betterthan.vegas where you can browse, search, and follow handicappers and sports personalities as they give you their thoughts on upcoming sports contests in every sport imaginable. In fact, if you head on over there, you can catch my bonus pick, which is only available on the Top Turtle MMA page on betterthan.vegas. Better Than Vegas brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me now is Cody Stamen, who fights Syed Nurmagomedov at UFC 270. That fight is on January 22nd. So, Cody, before we begin talking about the fights, I, I wanted to ask you, I was, I was scrolling around on your Instagram a little bit. I saw you've been doing some hunting lately. I saw some, I think, pheasants in there, ducks. Or I, I think I saw an axis deer that you shot. Tell us a little bit yeah. about, about what you've been hunting lately. Yeah, so, I mean, I've had some pretty cool opportunities pop up over the last few months. I mean, I've always been a pretty avid uh waterfowl hunter and uh my old man was a was a big deer hunter so I, I deer hunted with him every year but what i really love shooting is ducks that's like my main thing to go hunting but this year i got uh got an opportunity to go to south dakota and uh go go pheasant hunting with uh the canis athlete guys those guys are a, a sponsor of mine they, it's, a, it's a camo brand um and then one of my buddies uh got an opportunity to go shoot uh some axis deer down in texas and, and he owed me a favor and he asked me if uh, if that was how i wanted to cash in on it and i said yeah absolutely and uh yeah so we went and shot went and shot access deer down there it was just uh it was a really, really cool experience i mean texas is crazy i think i think that might be the next place i move that that's awesome to hear now i, I gotta ask too you're, you're right in the throes of of fight camp right now obviously that's a that's a high protein option right there is that part of your uh your fight camp meal yeah, literally, actually, one of my really good friends uh, shot an elk. Uh, it's one of the guys I, I, I duck hunt with, and uh, he brought over, like, 50 pounds of elk meat just as a thank you, and uh, I just just finished uh, some, some elk burger and uh, some avocado for dinner. So, yeah, I, honestly, if, 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 I could, if I could just only eat wild game meat, 365 days a year like that that would that would be what i'd like to do i mean it's just the cleanest way you know to consume meat that you you could possibly do it's the it's the it's the best uh leanest and you know for an athlete i mean that's that's important you know i'm gonna put rocket fuel in my body not uh some processed garbage 
that makes a lot of sense to me. Now, you, you said, you know, you, you hadn't even really thought about shooting axis deer at any point in time. And, you know, you're more of a waterfowl guy. Do you have something else on your checklist uh, that you want to do at some point in time? Some some sort of bucket list I, hunt? I didn't. I didn't, honestly. Um, and then I went and shot axis. And now I want to shoot everything. I want to I want to go on all the exotic hunts. I want to do it all. I want to shoot it. And, and after having trying this elk, this wild elk, it's so much better than whitetail, which is what I've always, you know, what I hunted growing up. Um, elk tastes a lot better. Uh, Axis is probably one of the best wild game meats I've ever eaten. Um, it's as good as beef. I mean, I would actually probably eat an Axis before I would eat a, a steak from the grocery store. Um, so, I mean, at this point, I'm like, if, if I could just do, you know, three, four hunts a year, shoot three, four animals, that's enough to, you know, feed me and the family for, for the year. Um, that, I mean, moving forward, that's something I'd, I would definitely like to do. I'd like to have, you know, a couple hundred pounds of meat in the freezer and just kind of eat that throughout the year. Hell yeah. I love hearing that, man. Now uh, we should talk about fights here. Cause obviously that's, that's what brought people here. So <laughs> let, let's yeah. talk a little bit about last year to start, because obviously last year, not an ideal year for you. You only got to fight once. No. How excited are you to be able to get an early start on 2022 being that, you know, you had like a dozen fights canceled last year. Oh, I know. I, uh, last year, I mean, if, if it could go wrong, it did. Um, it, it was, it was, a, it was a tough year. You know what I mean? Like professionally, it was a tough year for me. I mean, outside of fighting uh, last year was a, a great year in my life, but um, I mean, yeah, if you look at it on paper, it, it, it didn't look good. so, I mean, when this fight opportunity popped up, I mean, this, uh, this has been booked since, geez, I think October. And, you know, they asked me and I was like, I was, you know, I was begging my manager. I was like, please get me on a card before the end of the year. And, you know, Saeed's name came up and I said, yes, immediately. I'm like, yes, let's do it. Um, and he's like, the only thing is that it's, it's, it's in January. I'm like, January, really? I mean, four months out, it seemed like a ton of time, but now it feels like that time, uh, just cooked by you. Yeah, so I'm, I mean, I'm excited that it's, it's uh it's happening early in the year and hopefully i can get you know two or three to make up for uh for uh shit last year yeah and, well, and that's what i was gonna say too is that it, it seems like it's that beautiful fresh start of a brand new year and i was gonna ask you what your goals were for the year you kind of hinted to them there two or three fights under your belt is there, there anything in particular you're looking for um you know in an uh, ideal year i go and i have the performance i think i'm capable of against Saeed, I think I'll be able to maybe call my shot. Maybe I get a shot at Sean O'Malley. Probably not. Um, but you know, I, for me, it's it's always it's always I, I want to fight the toughest guys. You know, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, you know, how much longer am I really going to do this? I want fights that matter. I don't want you know 15 fights that don't matter. I want I want eight fights that really really matter that mean something. Um, so that when I walk away from the sport, I can say you know I fought the best to ever do it. So, and there's a lot of legends, uh, at the 135 pound division right now. I mean, you know, Jose Aldo, I look at Frankie Edgar, I look at all these guys, you know, deep Dillashaw, all these guys, you know, that are quote unquote, like the goats of the, of the Bantamweight division or, you know, other divisions. And like, those are the kind of guys I want on my resume. I want to fight. I want the big fights. I want the best guys to ever do it. Just, just to know, just to know, like, how do I stack up against these guys? And honestly, you know, I think from just a, a technique standpoint, like where I am in my career, where they are, I think it's those are, you know, the best fights that I could take. 
That makes a lot of sense to me. Now, you know, another name I was looking ahead in the rankings for you, too, is is a guy you've already fought in Song Yudong, who I see still chilling in the rankings at number 14, which is kind of crazy because in retrospect, we look back at that fight with you guys. It's a draw, but like everybody knows it's not a draw, right? Like it's a clear cut win for him. Is that, is that something that that's really tough for you to know that you had a clear cut win over him and he's just kind of like there in the ranking still, he's the guy who's getting like the, the publicity and he's the guy who's still got the number up next to his name. Uh, no, not really. I mean, I, I stopped putting too much, uh, too much weight into the rankings a long time ago. You know, like this, it, it, it changes so fast. And uh, if you look at, if you look at the rankings and, and who I fought, who some of these other guys have fought, I mean, it's not, you know, they're not, the rankings are as much about clout as they are about how skilled you are as an athlete. You know, and then like an unranked guy can go fight a ranked guy and be a two to three to one underdog. It just doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? So it's like, do the rankings really reflect who the best 15 guys in the world are? I don't think so. I mean, so to me, the rankings don't mean much. Well said. Now, let's talk about this fight coming up because you mentioned it as well. Said Nurmagomedov, despite the fact that you hear that name Nurmagomedov at the end, is a little bit more of a striker than he is a grappler. And, and, you know, you obviously, you've got a pretty well-rounded game, but people know you as having some pretty damn good takedown offense as well. H- how do you think you pair up with him when it comes down to the stylistic matchup of this fight? Uh, you know, Saeed's a, a complex puzzle. You know, there's not a whole lot of guys like him in the UFC. Uh, really good, like, Taekwondo-style kickboxing. You know, he does a lot off his front leg. Spins really well. Um, there's not a lot of telegraph there. You know, Saeed's tough, um, but I came up uh, training with Darren Crookshank, who is, like, one of the best kickers to ever, you know, grace the octagon. Um, I think he was, like, tied for the most head kick knockouts, and he wasn't he wasn't in the UFC that long to have that those kind of numbers uh, by his name. You know, so I've, I've trained with guys that are like that uh, most of my career. You know what I mean? That was a... That was a big, big thing in Michigan when I trained there was was the kickboxing and throwing those flashy, crazy taekwondo-style kicks, you know what I mean? So I've been seeing those kicks most of my career. So, like, I knew who Saeed was because I was going to fight Ryan Obacelos, but that fight was canceled because of COVID. Um, so I'd, I'd watched him fight. So as soon as his name came up, I knew exactly what, you know, I was getting into. And like I said, I've, I've seen that a lot in the gym, and you know, and that's, like, kind of what you need uh, – with with guys like that, you need to see you need to see that you need someone that is, can kick at that level uh, to be prepared for. It. Otherwise, you know, you go in there and you're just you're you think you're going to get in a boxing match with someone, and then all of a sudden, spin kicks your head off. Uh, so you know, I was confident like as soon as his name was brought up, you know, that I would I would know what to do. It like I, I you know, I, having trained you know ten years with someone that was that could throw those kind of kicks like in any from anywhere, any angle. Uh, you know, I knew I'd be, I knew I'd be prepared for for that style. Well, that's good to hear. Now, usually before I let any fighter go, I like to try to get a prediction out of them. You said you're prepared for that style of fight. You know that Crookshank gave you the looks you need earlier in your career. How does this one end with Syed Nurmagomedov at UFC 270? Oh man, if I have it my way, I walk out there, hit him one time, he drops, and it's over. <laughs> um, but uh, let's, 
say so. These these guys are tough, man. Bantamweight's a tough weight class. I mean, I think Saeed and I are going to have a – it's going to be a dogfight. You know what I mean? Like, he's he's longer than me. I'm going to have to get inside. Um, I'm going to have to avoid those big shots. Um, and, you know, I really think this, this fight is going to be contested on our feet. You know, I'm not really – I don't really have a game plan to go out and take him down 90 times. Uh, I know that I can do that, but let's face it, people don't want to see that. You know what I mean? And and I want to be, I want to be a, a fighter that's known for 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 hurting people. And uh, you know, that's been the focus of, you know, the last six months of my life is, you know, throwing hard shots. And uh, I'd like to go out there and just lace him with everything I got. I mean, I know I know I'm in great shape. I know I'm prepared. Um, no matter where this fight goes. You know, I think uh, I think I can beat Yermak Romanov. Well, we're certainly looking forward to it. Once again, fans, this is Cody Stamen, who fights Edner Megamedov at UFC 270. That fight is on January 22nd. Cody, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Cody Stamen. I, once again, am Daniel Gumby Vreeland, joined now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, I want to start here. UFC 272 has a brand new headliner, a non-title fight between, get this, Jorge Masvidal and Colby Covington, supposedly former friends at this point in time. What are your thoughts both on the matchup and their choice to headline a pay-per-view with that fight? Yeah, so two phenomenal questions to kick off our banter, Gumby, and I will address the First question first. I think that was the first question, which is, uh, what do I think of the actual matchup? And the matchup is intriguing because, you know, you have two top of the division guys. Colby, certainly the 1A to Camaro's 1. Masvidal, two losses to Usman. Do I think he's a future champion at this point? No, I absolutely do not. Not with Colby and Usman there. The style is not good. The matchup is not good for Jorge. I think this plays much the same way Usman Masvidal 1 played, which is Colby's just going to outwork him, push him up against the cage, potentially take him down, maybe not hold him down, but take him down to score points in the judge's eyes, and then just output kill him with, you know, a barrage of jabs that looks like it's coming out of a video game. So that's the matchup. Then the question of headlining a pay-per-view. Yeah, I love how UFC basically made it so, you know, we had to expect or we've come to expect that all pay-per-views are headlined by title fights. They sell well. I like that. You know, they place importance on title fights. I'm not opposed to a non-title fight headlining a pay-per-view, but this is not it because it's not a great matchup in my opinion. That being said, it might sell well because casual fans, the marks, are going to buy into the former friends BS. They're two massive personalities in the UFC. Colby has a, has a gimmick. He has a shtick. It works for him. People want to see to get him paid up or they love him and they want to see to, they want to see him fight because, you know, he's like the MAGA soldier. That's his gimmick. Good on him. Jorge Masvidal, ever since the Ben Askren knockout, massive star, ditto for the BMF title against Nate Diaz. The Rock put the title on him. That stupid pro wrestling BMF title, which I guess technically this fight should be for, or did Usman win the BMF title? It's tough to keep track when you're dealing with pro wrestling. But that being said, it might sell well, but to me, no. It's not deserving of a pay-per-view main event. What do you think? 
Yeah, the part that makes it not deserving of a main event for me is actually the thing that you mentioned first. Um, and, and I know that, that my feelings about how competitive the fight will be shouldn't actually weigh into whether or not it's a pay-per-view main event. Because, heck, you know, we're about to see Piotr Jan and Aljamain Sterling. Well, I guess that's a co-main event, but on a, a pay-per-view, I don't expect that to be ultra-competitive. Um, but, like, yeah, I, I think Colby Covington's going to run him out of town, and it's going to look real, real bad. Um, but... In addition to that, I think you're right to an extent that they can sell this well. I think it will largely depend on the co-main event. There's some rumblings out there that maybe we're going to get Dustin Poirier versus Nate Diaz in a co-main event. I think if you paired that and put that as the co-main event with these two, I think you would probably get it up into respectable pay-per-view area because, you know, these guys are, are famous enough and Poirier would help and Diaz would certainly help. Um, plus then you could run a press conference with all four of them at it and that thing would be freaking nuts. So yeah, ultimately I don't love the matchmaking. I don't really even care about the match. And with that being said, maybe the UFC did it right. And I guess for that, I have to tip my cap to them. Yeah, it's absolutely fine. And let's all face it too. I mean, at this point, there's so many ways to watch a pay-per-view wink, wink, Everyone's going to watch it. It's going to be all over social media. Does it set the buy rate record on fire? No, it probably won't, but it's going to do a decent amount. And I like what you said. If they put in Nate Diaz and Poirier there, Diaz and Poirier for non-champions, two guys who have never been champions, who might never be champions, you can't get any bigger than Nate Diaz. And Poirier just getting the rub, as we like to say, off the Conor McGregor fights, He's a pretty big star in his own right now, too, like borderline household name. So you put those four guys at the top, and like you said, you run a crazy press conference with Diaz in the mix and Jorge and fucking Colby. I mean, that's three mega personalities and another nice name in uh, Dustin Poirier. Uh, Yeah, I mean, you kind of have a recipe for what I would assume would be a half a million buys, which is really, really respectable for no title on on the line. Yeah, I, I think you're 100% right. I, I think that's a reasonable guess at what they would sell and what they would deem to be a success on a pay-per-view card that has no Conor McGregor and no title fight. All right, well, I'll tell you about an actual matchup that I'm excited about. It's uh, this weekend's main event uh, for UFC Vegas 46, and we're bringing back our favorite segment on the show, Fights, Dogs, Parlays. It's been too long since we've broken down a couple of fights, giving you some live dogs and giving you a parlay to play So, Gumby, before we get into this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, tell me, does anyone sponsor it? Absolutely. Fights, Dogs, and Parlays is brought to you by Double Nickels Sports Betting. Check out Nickels over on Instagram at 55DoubleNickels55. My guy sends you five picks each and every morning between NBA, NHL, MLB, and, of course, MMA. And I'm not lying when I'm telling you he's hitting five almost every single day. And if not, he's hitting four of them. Unlike those other guys who are trying to get you to follow their picks, he's giving you far more than just the picks. He hits you with tips and insights that consistently put him at the front of the game. And if you don't believe me, well, you might be alone on that because nearly 30,000 people are following him now on Instagram. And with prices that never exceed 10 bucks a day and go as low as 4 bucks a day, there's really no reason not to give him a try. Plus, if you mention our podcast when you sign up, he'll hit you with a 10% discount. Don't delay. That's at 55DoubleNickels55 on Instagram, Double Nickels Sports Betting. All right, what a fun main event we have here. Uh, huge favorite of ours, Giga Chikadze is a minus 235 favorite to Calvin Cater, a plus 195 dog. Uh, our boy Giga has taken the UFC by storm. He's had a very interesting career trajectory. Um, you know, he is a uh, coming from kickboxing, uh, coming from glory, 
a very good kickboxer, and obviously you always wonder about them, their takedown defense, how's that going to be, their wrestling. And when he debuted at Dana White's Contender Series, he lost to Austin Springer via rear naked choke. Since that time, he's been in the UFC now going on four years. He debuted in June of 2018. Since that time, he is 9-0 and in the UFC. He's reeled off nine wins in a row, and he's coming off his past three wins. James Sinan's TKO kick knockout. Cub Swanson, TKO body kick and knockout. And then Edson, frickin' Barbosa. What a name, TKO. You know, this main event against Calvin Cater, it's a way for him. I think of it very much like I think of the January fight between Conor McGregor and Dennis Seaver right before McGregor went and challenged what would have been Aljo for the ti- Aldo for the title, but it ended up being Mendez. That's another story for another time. That's what this fight is. It's a showcase fight for Giga. He will get a title shot by the end of the year, in my opinion. He is surging, and he is very rightfully so the favorite here. Calvin Cater, on the other hand, is coming off a loss to Max Holloway. No shame in that, really. Beat Dan Ige before that. Beat Jeremy Stevens before that. Lost as a beat Magomed Shaparov before that. So he's 2-2 two and two in his last four. Doesn't want to make it two losses in a row, but do I have bad news for him? Who you got? Yeah, obviously I'm I'm riding the same way as you are with Giga Chikadze here. Negative 235 is kind of a surprising number. It, it opened a lot closer than that. But uh, yeah, I, I'm picking Giga Chikadze here, and and it's really simple. The breakdown I'm going to give you is because uh, look at look at Calvin Cater's last fight. He fought a guy who was a much better boxer than him, much faster boxer than him, uh, mixed in kicks a little bit better than him, and is much longer and lankier than him. Uh, that guy punched his face in to oblivion, uh, probably concussed him in a way that he had never been concussed before, gave him a year to recover from it, and oh look, almost a year to the day, 364 days later, they booked him with a long, lanky boxer who is probably faster than him. It's almost cruel matchmaking, because I, I honestly believe Giga Chikadze is almost the closest thing to Max Holloway we have. I look forward to a day to where I could see Max Holloway fight Giga Chikadze because I think it would be an absolute barn burner. And for that reason, I think Giga Chikadze is going to absolutely box him up. It'll be interesting to see, like you said, whether or not the takedown defense of Giga holds up. But I think it holds up well enough here. And I take him pretty easily in this fight over, over Calvin Gator. Yeah, uh, there's nothing more that needs to be said. Let's move on then. Caitlin Chikagian is a minus 170 favorite. Jennifer Maya, plus 150 dog. This is being held at flyweight. Am I correct in saying that? That is correct, yes. Yeah, flyweight, excuse me. I just wanted to double-check. But Caitlin Chikagian's on a two-fight win streak, beat Cynthia Cavillo, uh, beat Vivian Arroyo, and then Jennifer Maya on a one-fight win streak. Can't really call that a win streak, but she's coming off a win over Jessica I. Lost to Valentina Shevchenko before that for the Women's Flyweight Championship, uh, beat Joanne Calderwood, and actually lost to the aforementioned and person she's rematching with, Caitlin Chikagian, before that. So two and two in her last four. And the dog here, any reason to pick her in this rematch with Chikagian and the fact that she's a plus 150 dog? No. Um, no, not at all. And, and the reason why is, first of all, I expect the fight to look a lot like the first one. And also, here's the problem I have with Jennifer Maya, and, and I'm not just fading her here, too, because I also do think Caitlin Chokagian's pretty damn good. But Jennifer Maya is somebody who thrives on her grappling. She's an excellent grappler. She does a phenomenal job. She even took down Valentina Shevchenko and arguably won a round off of her, which is crazy to say. But she doesn't shoot takedowns. Like she, She's a good grappler who shoots like a takedown in a fight. She fought Jennifer, or Jessica I, fell in love with her striking, edged out a very narrow victory, 
when she probably could have out-wrestled her the entire fight and won that fairly handedly. Here she is against Caitlin Chokagian, who is, I don't know if a black belt or a brown belt under Donaher. So, like, she's not going to get dominated on the mat, even if it does go to the mat. And she's infinitely a better striker than, than Jennifer Maya. I expect Maya to not shoot enough takedowns to do well here. Chokagian to throw about 250 punches. Maybe not land all that many, because a lot of them are kind of just like nothing punches. She might land 75, but it will be enough for her to get the decision here. Boom. I'm not going to add anything to that. I think you're right on. I don't see much reason uh, to not pick Chikagian the favorite. Brandon Royval is a minus 160 favorite. He's facing Rogerio Bontorin, a plus 140 dog. Royval, very interesting story here because if you go back to his UFC debut, beats Tim Elliott via triangle choke, beats Kai Kara France via guillotine choke. The sky is the limit, but then he runs into Brandon Moreno and loses via TKO and Alexandra Patoja via rear naked choke he lost. So two and two in the UFC uh, needs to get a win back here. I assume he will get it against Bontorin. Bontorin's coming off a win over Matt Schnell, but lost to Kai Kara France and Ray Borg before that. So one and two in his last three. Who you got? Yeah, I'm going with Brandon Royval. Um, I'm going favorite, favorite, favorite here at the top, which is not usually my M.O. But, yeah, Royval, like you said, uh, he looked so good against Tim Elliott. He looked so good against Kai Kara France. And the thing I like about him in this fight is that he's kind of, like, crazy on the feet and a little bit wild. And I think he's going to have a major striking advantage here. Bontorin is the type of guy who strikes a little bit longer than he needs to before he gets to his grappling, which is actually the best part of his game. If he strikes too long here with Roy Vall, I expect him to get tagged once or twice and kind of do the desperation takedown thing. And that's why Roy Vall has so many submissions. Roy Vall has the majority of his wins are by submission, and he's shot in like two takedowns in his entire life. Uh, and it's because he hurts people on the feet. They desperation shoot in. He finishes them, much like he finished Kaikara France. So I kind of expect the same exact thing to happen here to Bontarin. He's just going to strike a little bit too long, and it's going to wind up costing him. All right. Well, you went favorite, favorite, favorite. I will give you the opportunity to reveal our dog of the week. Our underdog of the week is Ramiz Brahimai, a plus 110 underdog to Court McGee. That number's fluctuated a little bit. It's gone as far down as even and up as high as plus 120. But right now I've got him at plus 110. The reason I like Ramiz Brahimai here is that First of all, both of them with a grinding style. I just think Brahimai is more explosive than Court McGee and can kind of out-Court McGee, Court McGee. Um, it, it's a weird style because Brahimai has won every single one of his fights by submission. Court McGee, never been submitted. Uh, so obviously this is going to be one of those uh, immovable objects versus unstoppable force kind of deals. But I think Brahimai, even if he doesn't get the submission here, is just going to... Like I said, he's going to grind better. He's going to get the takedowns better. He's going to put him up against the cage better. And if it doesn't turn into that gritty match, I actually like his striking better too. So I'm going with the underdog here, Ramiz Rahimai. Our parlay to play, Slava Borshev, minus 170. Joseph Holmes, minus 150. Now those are two, you know, pretty good favorites at minus 170, minus 150. Pair them together though, and it gets you plus 165 odds. Let's hear it. Yeah, first of all, I love Slava Borshev. Uh, I, I think he is probably one of the more interesting guys on this whole fight card. If you didn't see Slava Claus uh, during his uh, Contender Series bout, 
Go back and watch it. This guy has got dynamite in his hands and takedown defense from working with Team Alpha Male. He is fighting a guy in Dakota Bush who really needs takedowns. Um, and I just don't think he's going to get him on Slava. I don't think he's going to get close enough to him without getting absolutely flatlined. So loving Slava in this one. And Joseph Uglyman Holmes, I, I just think Uglyman Joe here is just going to be too much for Jamie Pickett. Jamie Pickett is a guy who's had trouble when people put him on the back foot or people take him down. Joseph Holmes, tons of submissions, kind of just like Burmese Brahimai. So, yeah, I like these two together. Negative 150, negative 170. You're going to get plus 165. Boom. That wraps up this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Hey, hit us up on our Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA. Let us know if you like these picks. Let us know if you hated these picks. We're accepting both love and hate feedback. Gumby, this train is a-rumbling down the tracks. Where should we stop next? Well, we're going to transition now to my interview with Jasmine Jesudavicius, who fights Kay Hansen at UFC 270 next week. We talk a little bit about that fight as well as what it meant for her to get her contract on the Contender Series recently. And we're going to get to that interview for you in just a moment. But first, let me let you know that this interview is brought to you by Maroon Social, M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, jiu-jitsu, or any other martial art, you can use Maroon Social to log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log competitions, weigh-ins, and oh so much more. Ditch that dirty jiu-jitsu journal and get yourself Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps. Maroon Social brings you this interview with Jasmine Jesudavicius. All right, and joining me now is Jasmine Jesudavicius, who fights Kay Hansen at UFC 270. That fight is on January 22nd. Jasmine, before we get into talking about that fight, I, I did want to ask you about the Contender Series because, you know, you're coming off of just getting that contract. You've had some time to let that sit in and to think about it a little bit. After all is said and done, it, describe the experience and describe what it was like hearing Dana White call your name. Yeah, that was a crazy experience. I mean, like the um like what weighs on that fight is so significant. So it's like if if I win the fight and show well, I get to be in the UFC like my dream. Say it doesn't go my way, I'm back on the regional scene and like push back who knows who knows how far. So um the um the nerves for that fight were were crazy, and uh, it just it's it's a life changing thing. And uh, to be able to 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 like you know put my whole life into something and then see it through and uh, get that contract, it, it felt so good. And it's but and also it's it's nice to go through contender series in preparation for my UFC debut because like I got to see kind of like how the UFC works. Like I, I understand all the media that's going to be around and I, I understand kind of like the, the lay of the land, like how, how they, they do things because each organization is a little bit different. So it almost feels like that was my debut. And now this is just like another fight in the UFC. Like, you know, there's going to be many more and it's just like, this is the this is my home now within the UFC. Well, that's great to hear. Now, you, you mentioned nerves in there a little bit, and, and I've heard a lot about people feeling the, the magnitude of the situation leading up to the fight. Did you feel it in the fight, too? Because it was, you know, it was a damn good performance. It was damn near flawless. Did you feel like you were nervous while you were fighting? Yeah, um, it, which is funny that you say it because normally you don't. Like, what, normally that cage door closes and you're like okay let's go like you know it's exciting it's fun 
But um, but yeah, that particular fight because like for for that show, they always want finishes, and I was like, man, I got to get a finish. So I kept on like thinking, like I got to finish the girl, I got to finish this girl. Like, come on, D- like Dana's right there, I got to finish her. And so yeah, there's there was nerves definitely within the fight for for that one which I'm really looking forward to this one, like just being free, like for it to go to decision, that's not a problem. As long <laughs> as my hand gets raised at the, at the end of the fight, then like, I don't care. Of, of course, that being said, I'm hoping the opportunity presents itself that I can finish her, but, um, but the, but the pressure's not there, which is nice. And and how about that pressure after the fight too? Because you mentioned you know you had it you know before the fight during the fight. Did you feel like you had done enough? You mentioned you know thinking that you needed to finish. Did, were you worried he wasn't going to give you a contract after that? Yeah, I was super worried. Like so, when I walked out of the cage, I I walked past them, and he kind of gave me a little bit of props. Like I don't know, he, he like fist pumped me or something like that. I forget what it was, but. Um, but yeah, I was like, okay, that's a good sign. I, you know, I think I might, I think I might get it. But it's like I was the first fight of the night, and that particular night, of course, there's six fights instead of five, so I had to wait even longer. <laughs> but the whole time in the back, I was like just nervous, and I, I talked to my family because they can hear the audio of of what everyone's saying. And, they can they they watch the fight it's like you know when when you're so close in the fight like you don't know exactly how it's going you don't know what what it looks like to the judges or anything like that so um so my family was saying like yeah you showed well you look good you i think you're going to get a contract they were saying good things but um but you you know you never know until you're sitting there on the on those those <laughs> chairs and just like waiting and waiting and it feels like it takes forever but um yeah, I was so fortunate. Even though my fight did go to decision, I'm I'm fortunate that he uh, still gave me a contract. For sure. Now, you mentioned, you know, the lay of the land. You've got it now. You know how the UFC runs things. You feel like you belong in there. You know now that you don't necessarily need a finish. You can get a decision. All those things make you feel a little bit more comfortable in there. But there is something different about this fight, too. You're going to be fighting in front of a live crowd. This fight got moved from the 15th to the 22nd, which is now UFC 270, live in uh, Anaheim, California. What, what are your thoughts on getting a chance to make your UFC debut in front of a huge crowd on a pay-per-view? I love it. I, the, you know, like the more fans, the better. I hate fighting without a crowd or with a small crowd. I love a crowd. I feel like I, I feed off that energy and, you know, it, she's the hometown girl, so I'm sure there's going to be a lot of booze. But, you know, when you're in there, booze sound like booze, so I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Booze sound like woo. So let, let's talk about that opponent you just mentioned. That's Kay Hansen, who's, you know, she's kind of a young up-and-comer. People are pretty high on her. What, what were your thoughts on them, you know, picking her for your debut? <laughs> I love it. You know, she she's already she has a bit of a name within the UFC, and um, and so it's nice. Like I I get to a little bit like leapfrog. You know, I'm not I'm not going going in there and fighting against a a killer that's like you know a no a no name girl. It's it's like yeah, this girl's a killer, of course, 
but uh, but she has a name. So it kind of put, you know, after a win over her, it puts me on the map a little bit more than uh, than fighting someone else. So I'm super happy with this matchup. It's, uh, you know, I want she, she um, promotes herself very well and uh, hoping to steal those fans that she has. <laughs> Well, that that certainly would be a thing. Now, let, let's talk a little bit about the stylistic part of this matchup, too, because she's fought down at strawweight. She was a little bit, you know, one of the bigger strawweights, but now she's moving up to flyweight. W- what are your sort of thoughts on how she would fit into that division and whether or not her style plays in that division as well? Yeah, I mean, stylistically, I think uh, she's super well-rounded, and I think her style... Go, goes well with uh, with 125 as well as 115. Like she she's well rounded. She's a talented girl, obviously. And uh, so I uh, I I think it uh, it's nice that uh, that she's she is smaller. Like I you know I'm I'm bigger than her, and I definitely weigh more than her. I mean, fight fight night was going to be pretty much the the same way. But uh, but yeah, it's. You know, it's not a huge thing. I fought at 115 before, so it's not like I'm massive for, for 25 or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, I think it's a good matchup. She's she's well-rounded. I'm well-rounded. It'll be a good fight. For sure. Now, you mentioned real quick, I, I just want to get this out of the way. You, you mentioned that you have fought at 115 before. Those days over, or, or is that something you've considered doing again in the future? No, I would consider it again. I mean... Um, it's it's a shitty cut. It sucks really bad. It's like I'm dieting for so long and just sucking everything out of my body. Training sucks because I have like no no energy. I, have, I haven't ate enough fuel to sustain it and everything. Like I'm just going through it to you know for, for the will the will to win is stronger than the hunger pain. So. Uh, so I would I would definitely go back to to one fifteen if the right opportunity presents itself. But as for right now, one twenty five is is a great place for me. Well, I'm I'm glad that you're going to feel like you can actually train leading up to this fight. So uh, <laughs> l- let's let's get the prediction out of the way. I usually like to ask fighters, you know, how do you see this one ending against Kay Hansen on UFC two seventy? I see my hand getting raised at the end of the day. I uh, I don't know how it's gonna be. I hopefully she, you know, gets knocked out or gives me her neck. But uh, if it goes to the decision, as long as my hand raised, I don't care how the wind the wind comes. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This is Jasmine Jesudavicius who fights Kay Hampton at UFC 270. That fight is on January 22nd. Jasmine, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a good day. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turn MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We cannot do what we do without you guys. We also want to thank Maroon Social, Better Than Vegas, and Double Nickel Sports Betting for sponsoring the show and helping us keep it running. We want to remind you guys that you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turn MMA in both of those locations. You can catch a lot of fight night coverage on our Twitter, so make sure you're following along. Until next week, I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland. He is Shockwave Dave Tremonte. And we will catch you then.